You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com. And streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Boardwalk Empire After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Boardwalk Empire After Show. Hi guys! <laughs> Bing is for doing, and we're here doing another AfterBuzz TV podcast. I'm your host this evening, Sarah Stratton, and we're going to be covering season four, episode four, all in of Boardwalk Empire. And across from me today, we have my, my lovely co-host. <laughs> so sweet, Sarah. Ebony K. Williams, what's going on, Sarah? I'm good. I mean, we're a little we're a little short on the we table are. today. We are. We're a little short, but you know what? What we lack in quantity, we make up in quality. Yeah, except I'd for those like names, which I I normally feed off the other people with everyone. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it calls. together. We'll get it together tonight. It'll be good. We'll be good. So, so it's um very interesting episode, right? Kind of um these are some of the episodes I love. Like last season, there was always a few of these sprinkled into the season where they give you good juicy setup for big big payoff, and I think that's what we saw tonight. Definitely, I felt like constantly with this episode I was on the edge of my seat just waiting for the I was in panic mode <laughs> yeah. I think I Sarah just... you guys should know Sarah was like freaking out at certain scenes it was funny uh, but yeah I feel you no definitely just on the edge of our seats yeah. but I want to start where we started this episode basically in Chicago right. with O'Banion with Mueller and with you know the whole Capone jokesters up there certainly certainly and so, uh, yeah O'Banion just picking the wrong guy to treat badly you know this Mueller slash we know him as Van Alden, of course, character. Not the guy you want to not have on your side. You know, he's kind of the perfect guy to have on your side. And now that Capone's got his teeth into him, it's not going to play out well for O'Banion. No, of course not. Yeah. I mean, O'Banion, it's very interesting, though, because they're both positioned as these jokesters. Right. And there's a line where they yeah, say true. in this episode, it's like, these men have so much power and they're jokesters and they just keep pushing the line too far. Right. And that was kind of a theme of the episode in general. We saw it in many different scenarios. Things so going too far. True, true. So we start out with like the actual not so harmful joke of getting dirt in the face when shooting gun on a banyan side. Right. And then we flip over and Capone's idea of a joke mm-hmm. is honestly killing people and throwing out people out windows. <laughs> right. So yeah. Mueller's not really trading up. No, he's not. But what we know about Van Alden from the beginning of the series is his ability to feel respected as a man trumps everything else. So while you're right, totally right, Sarah, I mean, both of them are kind of shady jokester characters, neither one really better morally than the other. But what I think Van Alden feels that he'll get from Capone that he doesn't get from from O'Banion is that he'll feel like a man. And 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 also even just that last little scene we saw at the tail end of the episode where he gets dropped off by the house and they kind of joke about like him having a house or whatever. It, it provides an opportunity for him to be head of household in a way that he hasn't been able to be for his wife in a while. We saw last episode her wanting furniture and wanting, you know, a lifestyle that he can't provide working in O'Banion's flower shop. 
There's no road up. There's no road up. Yeah, there's no mobility. You know, that's kind of the American dream, regardless of its corporate America or this underworld scenario we're seeing here in Borwalk. Everybody wants to feel like they can, you know, feel good about what they do. And um, I think that's what Capone is connecting with him. And about uh, opportunities. Yes. The opportunities you can grasp. So, I mean, I I don't think he's getting himself in a better situation, but he is getting himself in a situation where he can grow. He can grow. Yeah. And that's we die a lot quicker, though. (laughs) I mean, the risk is definitely uh, greater here. But, you know, Capone gets him and he says, you know, if this if we can get you in, get you helping us out with this election bit will get busier. And again, like you're saying, Sarah, it, it's this opportunity for growth. Uh, Van Alden sees that he's a visionary in that way. And I think that or it's going to be very interesting seeing next episode with, you know, what, what transpires there. It's also interesting just though, I feel like the relationship we've gotten a lot with the Capones this season is from almost the viewpoint of George Mueller. Yes. Absolutely. Or from Van, Van Alden, whatever yes. you want to call him. And instead, there, it's almost making Capone and O'Banion feel like smaller characters to me mm. versus where in past seasons I felt like they were on the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were get, we would get equal amounts of C- the Capone perspective and Van Alden's perspective. Mm-hmm. But since Van Alden has kind of entered their world. Yeah, we see them through the lens of Van Alden. Exactly. Yeah. And they're kind of starting. And then I realized like if this was taking place last season, my focus would be so much more on what's actually going on between the Capones and between O'Banion. Mm-hmm. Um, because what Van Alden's relationship is showing that these two people who are supposed to be working together, mm-hmm. who are supposed to be like feeding each other's enterprises, are actually destroying each other. They're not friends. They're not in, it doesn't seem like they're having a very functioning work relationship. No. They're willing to. I mean, doesn't stealing the bread truck. Yeah. It's a joke, but that's that's business. That's something that. They should be looking past, and they're really hurting themselves. This ego. Ego is totally in the way of all of this, and it's interesting. Now, what did you make of uh, the scene where they basically kind of double-dog dare Van Alden to kill the guy? Because Van Alden looks like he could care less. He's going to let the guy go, and they're like, well, we're not the ones that are going to be you know, in a bad position when uh, O'Banion finds out about this guy knowing you. Uh, they're going to get stuck. And then, of course, we see Capone just going off, and... I'm just one of those people I hate to, I, I really like Al Capone, I like the character, and I just hate the drug use, you know, because I just think ultimately it's just not going to play well. I mean, obviously he has, they're not cruel streaks, they're just horrible habits in a yeah, way. Yeah. Um, cause he's, he sees, almost, he's almost like an, he's like impish. He like, he gets yeah. so happy off of these hot, these rushes. High. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what he's, he's craving. He's crave rushes, yeah. I mean, I think it was smart mm-hmm. of the brothers to put him in that position and just testing his loyalty right. as they're offering him this position. So, from their character standpoint, I liked it. What I can't figure out is, do you think Mueller missed on purpose? Oh, I didn't think of that. Because normally he's a pretty sharp shooter. You're right. He's you're had right. experience. Yeah. Like he works with the law. Like he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Unless he's just rusty and out of habit. I mean, again, we haven't seen him play that type of guy in a while. I think he's maybe just out of practice because he looked genuinely dumbfound when Capone just kind of went off on the guy and put about a hundred thousand bullets into yeah. him. So, yeah. It was like for me, it was just like there's a lot of way to look at that. Is yeah. it? This is a mistake, and he was just shocked that he thought the guy was going to get away. Yeah, he thought he had proved his point and kind yeah, of like just skidded yeah, that boundary. Because yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. we saw all episode, it's all about him. Like, 
oh goodness, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah. And he's saying the right things. Like you have to give him credit. He was sticking up for his boss a little bit at certain points, being <laughs> like, please, please don't rob us. Please. Right. Like right. But I mean, I think we're obviously going to see a full turnover. How that I'm excited to see how it does pan out for the bigger rivalry between O'Banion yeah, and yeah. the Capones. Yeah, when we get to predictions, I think that's probably going to almost be the most compelling story moving forward next week. Probably. Lots of extras. We'll lots of yeah. extras or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Cool. Well, let's go on to another setting we had. Ah. College. Back yeah, things college. are getting hot up at Yale, right? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, Willie. So definitely, you know, we talked last week about him being more like Nucky than like his father, Eli, and letting certain things go. So it looked like he had let it go. But clearly we saw this week he hadn't let it go. He was just concocting this very devious, deep-seated, long, drawn-out plan to embarrass this guy in the fullest way. And then, like you said, Sarah, goes too far. Yes. Goes and, too far. And, but back to the point that last week we did talk about where his influence is coming from. And this week we see Eli interject himself mm-hmm. in his son's life. Sure. He's the one who steps in. And I like that they added that conversation because for that's me, great. that's what prompted him. That conversation was the motivation to get back. Yeah. He was willing You're to You're a Thompson. Lila. I mean, that was just, that just resonated with me because it was Eli kind of carrying that cloak in a way that we normally see Nucky, you know, being the predecessor, you know, Thompson figure in this mm-hmm. family. But we see Eli embracing that and passing that on to Willie. And Willie taking it on full throttle. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite piece of advice that Eli gave, or at least I don't know if it was advice, was saying that you're the only one from Atlantic City worth knowing. Yeah. Because that is so important. He is in this massive school where he's going to be connected to people who are inheriting fortunes, inheriting businesses. And there's 50 from New York, 50 from Philadelphia. All these cities are represented. But if you're the one person who Mm -hmm. commands a who has connections to a powerful player, powerful so. city, mm-hmm. then you are given even more because you're not competing against your own. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make yourself valuable. And it goes back to why he is in college. Right. Why he, how are they going to make use of him in the future? Yeah. Um, how Nucky's going to use those ties, use him, whether he's going to inherit this business. Sure. Or whether he's going to break off on his own. You know what it reminded me of, too, Sarah? It reminded me, it took me back to Princeton and Jimmy, back from seasons one and two, where I don't think Nucky ever really got over Jimmy leaving Princeton. He worked so hard to get him there. And I think, again, like you're saying, there was this expectation that by way of you and this Ivy League education, that means something for us. Um, And... Willie saying, you know, I didn't want to be there anymore. It just, it, it just echoed Jimmy to me. It was so reminiscent of that, Definitely. that spirit. Um, yet, you know, he was talked out of it. I don't know. Like, how do you think, uh, Willie will respond to the fact that his prank obviously went way too far? And now, I mean, he's, he's essentially killed his first victim. I'm sure the first of many. Um, what do you think that does to his psyche? Oh my gosh. The power of first kill is always explored so much in storytelling. Yeah. And the fact that this one is, just out of, I don't think it was in his heart to really yeah, kill this tissue, guy. No. It was no, no, no. literally no. just to to poke and make fun. The biggest scene was supposed to be at the party. It wasn't ever yeah. supposed to be brought up again, you know? Yeah. Um, or it was supposed to be like a, a running joke. Um, so I think it's going to really affect him and his friend. I think that's going to yeah, be the big his friend knew. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And just, I mean, another part of the episode, we got um, Meyer's relationship with 
with Lucky. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these boyhood friends can develop into these lifelong partnerships. Right. And also that maybe early enemies can develop. Yeah, and, and the dynamic doesn't change all that much. Yeah, I mean, in terms of it breeds that mutual respect and then mm-hmm. everything grows from there. But ultimately, yeah, it kind of comes back down to that foundation. Yeah. Oh, Willie. Yeah, that's so I just think he's Willie's changed now. Trouble. I'm yeah. wondering who's going to find out about his deeds there. I mean, it's his father mentioned it takes one letter home. Yeah. One letter home from them to find out. So I'm waiting to see Eli and Nucky get pulled more into Yale. Yeah. Because um, right now Yale's really just been a, a fortress to for Willie. Yes, he's in yes. this totally separate area. It's he barely had connections with Mickey Doyle. Um, but I'm waiting for some of like the bigger players to get their fingers yeah. in. Um, yeah, in I think when we get to predictions, we saw a little bit of that um, in the previews. Yeah, they're not letting this go. This is not going to be swept under the rug at all. Like whoever's kid this is is you know a, an important person. So you know it's not somebody's going to have to answer for this. I believe that was actually the line. So yeah. One thing that Willie does have going for him, though, is he doesn't seem too... I mean, last week I thought his fault was going to be women, like every mm-hmm. other men, man's problem <laughs> in the show. Right. Women seem to be their downfall. Right. But he kind of, in a way, used um, yeah. this girl to his advantage. Like, he didn't let her... She, yeah, she was the up. pawn. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he used her to be the distraction that he needed to make his little Which scheme Which is a big run. difference than what we normally see. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe he's learning. Maybe we're learning with the generations into better criminal intent. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Might as well. Why don't we jump over to Nucky and AR and Meyer in this <sighs> yeah. crazy poker yeah. game? Yeah. Where it's like I feel like any they're playing anything but poker, right? Yeah, <laughs> everything but poker. Yeah, I mean, we certainly saw um, Nucky. It was a very interesting uh, that in one episode we saw the power dynamic shift completely from Nucky being in a position of asking um, and AR having the leverage to obviously by the end of the episode it being the complete and utter opposite. And, you know, I will say Nucky sold it like Nucky sells it. You know, uh, all these amazing things. AR is kind of eh on the fence about it. But ultimately Nucky convinces him. And then he made a funny little line that just chuckled. I chuckled at. It was like, too bad you're not in office anymore. Which I think was just, again, kind of reminiscent to Nucky last episode talking about how those were the good old days. You know, when he was just a regular old crooked politician. Yeah. And, and happy and content. And then AR says that really interesting thing about who do I, who, who do I believe? You know, the Nucky that told me I was happy with what I had are now, again, typical overambitious Nucky wanting more. I mean, and also that he mentioned that he liked, he wanted Nucky to be still be in office yeah. at one point. Yeah, and I almost feel like AR could see where Nucky was going while he had the title. Because yeah. there's certain things you have, there's expectations of people in office. You have to keep a secret of friend. Sure. But Nucky's like all underworld now. Mm-hmm. So he's this whole new person that AR can't control, can't predict. Yeah. And he never really got to know them on, like they, their relationship yeah. was just business. It was these fleeting conversations of games, and now it's getting down to character because it's not just all a front of Nucky being the treasurer. Right. Well, and I think AR is the one initiating the true connection, which is makes it kind of sad that it ended up the way it did this episode. But yeah, like Nucky saying, well, don't we know each other? And AR being like, you know, one would have thought so. But not really. And I don't really know you to play cards with you, hence the summoning of Nucky to the game and Gosh, but like our so our original interpretations of AR would be, you would expect him to go into this poker game and win all the money yeah. out of uh, out of Nucky and Chucky's like 
casino in order yeah. to pay for the, his half of the deal. And it wouldn't even be out of his own pocket. Yeah. It, was, it would all just be games that he yeah. swindled his own money to become yeah, partner. because he's smooth, because that's what mm-hmm. we expect from AR. But almost to Kevin's point, and I'd really noticed the coloring distinction this episode. I mean, Kevin mentioned it, um, but goodness, he is pale. Getting paler. He's starting yeah. to look like one of those dolls, like the talking, the mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the puppets or mm-hmm, for ventriloquism. Yeah. He's getting that white. Like just, vampid. Absolutely vampid. Just drained. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is sad. And, um, well, what do you think about the dynamic between Myers and, and AR? Because it almost would look like AR was undermining it, right? Like, I mean, he's clearly set up this situation where now he's going to be the, the partner with Nucky mm-hmm. and, you know, him and Lucky Luciano. But then, of course, we still see him kicking ass, literally, to the guy that was making a fool out of AR. So it's a very interesting, complex loyalty but almost saving ar from himself it's what i i thought like we had a lot of discoveries about myers this mm-hmm. episode right he's always kind of been in the background like making mischief or um we used to make fun of him in lucky last yeah. season but this episode he really stepped up where i felt like the center of myers runs on friendship yes and it started with his um his story to nucky about who he was and the story he tells is about lucky and we really haven't seen them together um at all this season and because they seemed in two different leagues mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying we don't even associate meyer with the level of a nucky thompson but he's made himself um to that level and he's also made through this conversation it seems like they still have this partnership going yeah. it might not be on the forefront of everyone else's mind or we haven't seen it but he's kept that bond and then that's what allows him to stand up for AR physically right. it's his respect for him and the friendship he's gained for him so while he also might he might be parting ways businessly or in the front with Nucky's new deal from AR right. i think he's still he's still going to hold on to that friendship yeah, yeah he builds he those relationships him deeper than everyone else, which is a contrast that we have. I mean, directly opposed to Nucky and AR. Yeah. Directly opposed to that, we get AR and Meyer and then AR, I mean, and then Meyer and Lucky. Yeah. Those are deeper friendship. Those ones last. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there were always, we have brotherhoods in this compared to friendships, compared to business relationships. Absolutely. The trans, it's crazy. And then... I feel like you're where you've had to say Well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and then I was just going to switch over, but then we have the whole servant relationship. Well, I was going to say, and Mm -hmm. then that leads us to Eddie, which, of course, like, you're absolutely freaking out and with just cause because (laughs) we all saw the writing on the wall. And and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, crap. You know, this is this is what the FBI was saying. They found the weakest link in the Nucky Thompson chain. And unfortunately, it's Eddie. Which is just crazy because for so long I would have been convinced that he was the strongest, exactly the most loyal, the most confident, and, and he is in that way, and that's what makes it sad, Sarah, is that he's the weakest link, and by no intentional fault of his own. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the quickest to betray Nucky, which is, I think what we all were initially mm-hmm. thinking that that's how that would come about, but it was just by default. Yeah. Well, I also think that Nucky's always in a way been protecting Eddie yeah. and keeping him so close and keeping him in a position that Eddie obviously wanted out of. Yeah. He was keeping him safe from this business. He was yeah. keeping him safe from these positions mm-hmm. and him continuously calling out to Eddie this episode and wanting him to be there, yeah. I think draws attention to that. But of course, Eddie, as much as he's observed, he's always had to be like, no one's ever asked his opinion. Yeah. And now that he's getting involved, 
and what he thinks coming out, he's just so forward too all the time with yeah. how long he's been working there, what he likes to do, where his family is. It's just like he's too trusting because he's... Well, and that's the problem, right, is that Nucky, in a way, I, I agree with you, Nucky was protecting him from this and keeping the stakes for Eddie's position low. Problem is... You can't now ask to use him in this very isolated way, like, oh, go make this one drop and not explain the ground rules. Nucky never did that. Nucky never explained to him the severity of the position that he was putting him in and who, you know, what not to say and who not to talk to. You know, you just kind of threw him out there. And by doing that, you know, he opened up this possibility that we're seeing exactly what happened. He way you know no discretion talking way too much to the wrong people and and to he was because he was proud you know Mm -hmm. and that's what's sad is we know that he loves nike to death and we know that everything that he did tonight as stupid as it it was and as horrible it's it's gonna end up being for nucky it came out of a place of being proud to be able to work for nucky in this capacity finally exactly finally he's finally like reached his level he feels there's there's freedom yes there's not as much risk involved he's no longer shining shoes yeah you know finally but on the same end, should he have learned, like, you are supposed to learn something from Just observation. Just watching, yeah. And how many people he's seen It's the language die. barrier, like, Sarah. It's the <laughs> language barrier. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh, yeah. the happy Germans. <laughs> the happy Germans. They can't see past the songs and the beer. Yeah, so. no, it's sad, though, because, um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you know. Do you think sad. he has made, um, I mean, I was very fearful of this Mr. Brown package. He turns out to yeah. be like part of the phone gang. Right. I was very fearful of his um, play with Eddie the whole time. I thought he was like, like he was going to like cap him at some point. I thought he was the bad guy. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to be a bond? Do you think that that's going to be explored more? Or that was just a that, one episode friendship. I could see it. Maybe we don't see that guy game, but maybe we do. Maybe we do. Maybe they bring him back in some other capacity, but. Gosh, I'm so interested to see how Eddie's going to play this because I don't know that he's the most quick-witted. I don't know that he's as savvy in these types mm-hmm. of situations as we're used to seeing. Um, but at the same time, I know he's not going to just take Nucky down too quickly because that that's just not consistent with the way they do things on this show. So it's it's, it's going to be a hard game. And yeah. he's going to be up against, obviously, we have Knox right now. Yes. I think that the real trouble is going to bring be when they bring Edgar in. Yeah. Because even in this episode, we got yeah. to see a little bit of Knox is ready to go. He's riled up. He has so much energy. Yes. But he's facing a board of guys who, are, who just want numbers. That's how the feds are. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, but, I mean, this is even from my own practice. The feds will take, I've had clients that the feds will um, start an investigation on them, Sarah, and they won't indict for six, seven years. Because they will build their case. They will stack their file with every witness, every piece of evidence, every little tiny detail. Because when the feds come for you, it's not a question of if you're going down. It's for how long. And that's what we know of J. Edgar Hoover. And that's what we're seeing them trying to develop here. So like you said, Knox has this enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. this eagerness. And he's young and he's new to the Bureau, I'm probably sure. But Hoover's an old dog and he knows how this game works. And he's going to take his time to get Nucky Thompson in the right fashion. Exactly. So I'm wondering who's going to be the weakest link on their side of the table. Yeah. They're looking for the weakest link in Nucky's entourage. Good point. But, I mean, as much as Knox has been able to intercept and interfere and figure all this stuff out, maybe it's going to be that difference between J. Edgar and himself that might make him the weakest link. Or I think we're going to need some new characters on that side of the table. On that side of the table. We'll probably get them. I I agree with that. Very interesting. 
But poor Eddie. What's the best for him? I know. It's so sad because, again, he's so well-intentioned. He loves Nucky to death, and all he wants to do is be of help. And here he is just um, really opening up a huge weak spot for the Thompson organization. And then on the – but let's move on a little bit to Dunn, who used to be kind of like Chalky Sorrenton. I I think you're right. I mean, last week, (laughs) last week I was convinced that Dunn was going to be resilient and was going to be able to like overcome Dr. Dr. Narcisse's like beautiful words and other way of speaking. (laughs) I thought he was going to do it. I thought. And then this week he just fell straight in line. Oh, yeah. Opening almost, you know, beginning of the episode, lying to Chalky's face about his, you know, sickly mother, uh, which, you know. Uh, let me ask you this. Chalky is not a dumb man. Chalky White did not become, um, you know, a leader within this community, uh, particularly as a black man in this day and age by being stupid. Do you think he bought the, the sick mother bit? I think that we're going to hear more about it. I don't I think that, you know, whether it's going to be sending some flowers or yeah. I think eventually he's going to get caught in that lie. Got it. Um but I don't think he really saw straight through it. I think that he was – honestly, I think Chalky was so mesmerized He's still thinking about a uh, daughter, daughter. <laughs> Madeline, uh, Madeline, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a little yeah. distracted Again, by the women, the downfall. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's where his mind is, that he's not even con- concerned about Dunn. Mm. I also think that he has no reason to suspect them of a friendship or a relationship. Because different Chalk, leagues. Yeah, different leagues. And in Chalky's mind yeah. – I mean, in Chalky's mind, Dr. Narcisse looks down on him. Right. Why is he going to pick up someone even lower, lower on the totem pole? Exactly. Yeah. And on top of that, like the only relationship we've known them to have together was Dr. Narcisse pretty much asking for not quite Dunn's head, but asking mm-hmm. for Dunn in the yeah. terms of that, you know, whole or thing, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Chalky has no reason. There hasn't been any talking in corners that Chalky overhears, nothing. Um, we are going to have to see more of that. But, I mean, Dunn's already kind of misstepping on Dr. Narcisse's late Well, he's plans. falling for, right, I was going to say he's totally falling for the trap, which I'm going to get to a very interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal about the entire character of Dr. Narcisse and what that means in historical context. This is this is really fascinating. Um, but we see him doing a classic trick, which is that somebody who considers themselves uh, the leader of a lost people takes a pawn, right, which Dunn is basically a pawn, mm-hmm. and uses them against their own people. And that's ex- exactly what we see Dunn falling for. Mm-hmm. And it's just right into the palm of Dr. Narcisse. And ultimately, Dunn will play that same role against Chalky White. For me, it's always so complicated when I look at their entire relationship because I can't really get a grasp on who Dr. Narcisse is. He, it's just like how his intellect work confuses me. Like, I understand he, he doesn't want him in this place, but he takes the money that he hands yeah, and he still sticks right. to his jacket. And it's just, I feel like it's these two forces clashing against each other. Yeah. And I also feel like he's putting Dunn in the exact same position that Dunn is for Chalky. Yes, that's exactly what he's doing. He's just he's recognizing that Dunn has value as a a gopher, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're an excellent person to have on the team. And instead of working on Chalky's team, you need to be mm-hmm. on my team. And it's very self-serving, and it has nothing to do with this kind of greater good that we mm-hmm. see Narcisse pretending, or not even pretending, because I think there's... And that's what... You're right. That's what makes Narcisse so difficult to wrap your head around, because, again, it's these 
existing dualities where there's a part of him that is very much, you know, always talking about how the Libyan slash black people need to improve themselves and be more self-sufficient and and be better. And at the same time, you're literally about to infiltrate their entire community with heroin. Um, and we're talking about and he talks about Harlem and the strength of Harlem mm-hmm. and how it would never be subject to white imperialism in the way that Nucky Thompson and that exactly. whole stuff works. But essentially, you're setting them up for something almost worse, actually is worse. And how do those coexist? And it's all about it's he creates labels and he creates language to make it so. Yeah, that's how you buy into and it again. So I said last week, Sarah, when you start talking, you start calling that slave language and stuff like that. That's what resonates with the done characters. And nobody wants to be seen as that. So, well, I have to offering? hand it to you. I think you are winning this yeah, well. prediction line because I <laughs> seem to be very wrong on him. Well, no, just because I, I, it, it's very in line with historical precedent. That's mm-hmm. that's the only reason I'm, I'm really not that psychic. That's exactly how that stuff works. That That's how you get command of a people in that way. And it's a sad thing to watch. And you're right. It's like you chastise this man for coming into your noble place of black empowerment. But yet when he leaves the money from the heroin, you absolutely take it and you pocket it. It's crazy. It's a it's so much to deal with. I'm gonna. Ha- These are the things that I have to like go back and actually think about. And be like, Digest. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what was his actual meaning? Actually, speaking of this, though, every yeah. week we go on. We start talking about this right after we watch the show. Yes, and I always have to go back and look more. Right, but our friend Mr. Mike August sends us his wonderful catches of the week, so and great. these are things that he pulls up and he pulls out the quotes and props and everything and really dissects them and it shows the thought that goes into making this show which is why we like it so i just want to refer to a couple that he pulled out from last week's episode which was acres of diamonds episode three um one of the first things was he spotted on the set a castle mural um mural behind um nucky's hotel Mm. and that's a callback kind of to episode two with the kings and talking about the kings and just recurring imagery still being brought in even though it might not be talked about the sure. authors are still thinking about this as they're designing the set designing the costumes whatever um also daughter mary uh daughter, daughter Ma- maitland mm-hmm. who we saw again this week right. he said might be a homage to the famous josephine baker um last week in last mm-hmm. week's episode she performed somebody loves me i'm waiting to find out what she performed this week we okay. saw her a little bit rehearsal but somebody loves me was produced in 1924 um which is th- the year this show is supposedly like taking place. Right. So that is accurate. And it was composed by George Gershwin. Mm-hmm. And Ella Fitzgerald, Duke Ellington, and Nat King Cole were among just some of the artists who cover this song. So they are still taking these elements sure. from actual history, which is great. Um, also, Dr. Narcisse, one of his comments was that God will bring every deed to judgment. And that is from, I'm going to butcher this again, Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't speak, guys. Um <laughs> So we do obviously get a lot of Bible quotes from him. Yeah. But also he had a quote about being treated like brutes, which really resonated with that episode. And that was actually from Am- Amelia Barr, who has wrote religious periodicals. Mm. So his quotes are coming from all over, which I think is fascinating. They're really right. taking and just the research that they're going to have to be doing, going through the Bible, going through newspapers, going through everything of the time. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And just a little comment. Willie Thompson is one of the new but Muppet babies, he said. Oh, so he if is. you guys haven't watched yeah. before, we last season we labeled a lot yeah, of the Kevin guys the Muppet babies, Muppet kind baby. of being a little yeah. bit little <laughs> rascals, testing yeah. their feet in the water of corruption. Uh, so he, 
Willie Thompson has officially joined the Muppet Baby League. Oh, yes. League. First kill this week. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to change him. I yeah. feel like he's the only one. He's really the only character we have in that section right now mm-hmm. who's kind of young and new into this um, until we see maybe more of Sally, which I'm sure we'll get into predictions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone else is now been in this game for a long time. I mean, I would say even Van, Al- Van Alden. Oh, Van Alden, Jordan, yeah. He's, I mean, he's had he's like three full. different lives in this game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, Hence that's... many uh, names, right? Yeah, but so crazy. we only really have Willie Thompson as the, the new, the youngin. Yeah, he's the new Muppet baby for sure. Um, before we move on, though, to um, news and gossip, I do want to talk about, again, going back to AR... And his, you know, Nucky Thompson talks about, like, I don't want to go into business with someone who is blinded by their need to win in that way. And you made a good point that we almost expected AR to win the game because that's just what we're used to AR doing. He's the smooth cat. He's kind of, you know, like the the head of head honcho in that way. And yet we see him in this position of weakness this week. And we again with the pale face and the vampire expression and all this stuff um, at some point. I feel like AR has decided I would rather go out in Swinging. that spirit, yeah, mm-hmm. than concede. Just keep pushing it all loss. in to get yeah. the title. I mean, I agree with you, and I think AR is definitely on that position. Yeah. But my question with that line, and I'm glad you brought it up, is who is in this game that's okay with losing? I mean, it must be Nucky because I mean, he talks. I mean, he's, I don't think he's okay with losing, but I think he has learned how to. We almost saw that last season you know mm-hmm. i mean he he had to in a way wrap his mind around some losses and even you know the personal ones you know the loss of the girl yes you know and even the loss of margaret and, and stuff like that so and while we might and exactly we might mm-hmm. see other characters if they were in that position going after margaret like making mm-hmm. her come back making her bring the kids back and he is kind of letting that go and he's yeah. Coming up with alternative, yeah. alternative maybe lifestyles for happiness, yeah. maybe yeah. even a new location that he hints at this week. Um, yeah. But I feel like he's the only one. I feel like mm-hmm. he's the only one who has been able to step back and bring people who tried to kill him into rooms to make negotiations. Absolutely. Not many other people have done that. I mean, maybe, maybe Dr. Narcisse in a little bit of ways has made deals with Chalky, who he doesn't respect respect or agree with but that to me is more of manipulation to win yeah and in that deal narcisse is still coming out on top like he's getting 10 percent for doing Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing so i mean yeah yeah no i agree i agree with that i think that nucky has learned the hard way how to accept defeat and ultimately maybe that's that's one of his biggest strengths maybe that's why ultimately we see nucky um sustaining himself season after season after season and uh, being able to come back with the resilience that we don't see from some other characters. He's he's open to new ideas as yeah, well. Yeah, like, he, absolutely. He's not always the one... Like, he brings doesn't have to always be his idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Nucky is not that narcissistic where it always has to be his doing. You know, even Chalky in this club, you know, Nucky's getting a nice chunk from it. It was Chalky's idea. He was resistant to it at first, but ultimately... He conceded. And with the land and the road and the rum, like, Nucky has his fingers in all these things, mm-hmm. and he's willing to back off when needs to. Mm-hmm. And he, that's also, obviously, I need to take this poker game <laughs> and just be like, what yeah. is everything, what is every play every he made, made, right? Yeah. Because he takes the trip. He's like, well, I'm not, it's basically like, I'm not going to play this round. I'm not going to play this round. I'm going to yeah. wait for a good bet. Versus, it's all about 
the game, this game, put all your chips on the table. Yeah. Which is so weird to me, Sarah, because again, like I think one of my favorite lines, probably from the entire series, is when AR, I think it was season two, I think, maybe beginning of season three, where Nucky t- Nucky's in a corner, <laughs> shockingly, <laughs> and he looks at AR for advice, and he's like, well, what do you do when there's no move? And AR says to him, you don't do anything, but when you see a move, you put everything on the table. And that was just like, that's just one of my geeky, like, mm-hmm. that's why no, Boardwalk I- Empire gives me life moments. And then to see AR like kind of reneging on his own advice, like there was no move just, to he's make. Falling. He's yeah. falling. Yeah. And that's sad. And maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be Meyer stepping up. Yeah. Saving him from himself, I hope, or not. And maybe learning from AR's mistakes, perhaps. I don't know. If Kevin's predictions are right, we're not going to see much more of AR. I know. Meaning. And he ta- I, th- I feel like Kevin said, game. yeah, that he goes out with a bad poker game or something, you know, losing a whole bunch of money. Oh, that makes me sad. Historically, I love it. yeah, that's supposedly what happens. Yeah. I, he has to stay around for a couple more episodes. He got some. He things just has to the best one liners in the whole damn show. I'm gonna be sad when he leaves, but anyway. Okay, well I think we need to move on to some After Buzz yeah. TV News. I'm going on news and gossip. Okay. So excited to talk to you guys about this Wall Street Journal article. It is entitled Is Boardwalk Empire Trampling the Legacy of Marcus Garvey? Okay, so Marcus Garvey is a real life um, black nationalist biggest before the civil rights movement led by kind of MLK and that bunch. Marcus Garvey kind of led the biggest movement of black people in this country, um, a little known. Uh, And his whole concept was that we as black people could sustain ourselves um, collectively without uh, integration. It was more of a separatist movement. And the best way to do it was to actually go back to Africa. And that's one reason why you hear Narcisse calling black people Libyans, because in real life, Marcus Garvey wanted us to go back to Libya. And even in this episode, he was pulling out people's features and going back to actual places. In Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this article, though, what their angle is, is... Is Boardwalk Empire as a show doing a disservice to the true legacy of Marcus Garvey by too closely intertwining Marcus Garvey, who's a real life Mm -hmm. historical figure, with uh, Narcisse, who we know is fictional. And we know, like you're saying, people are having a hard time grappling with the duality of you claim to be this black nationalist who wants all this amazing stuff for your people and to save them from from this you know treachery. But you're you're a drug smuggler, you're a gangster, you're a murderer. None of which true Marcus Garvey ever did. So there's this thing where where we see Boardwalk Empire, and we love this about the show, that Mm -hmm. they'll take real historical people and events and they'll incorporate them into the storyline. But this article is troubled by the fact that people that don't really know the true history of Marcus Garvey or this real life organization, the Universal Negro Improvement Organization, that's the true name of the Marcus Mm -hmm. Garvey organization, that they don't know how to make those distinctions and that people are going to walk away from this thinking Marcus Garvey was actually this sullied heroin pusher dealer. Gotcha. Um, so it's it's interesting. And, and one thing that the article relies on when they're making these kind of, I guess, not arguments, but certainly raising these questions is the lack of diversity in the writing cast of Boardwalk Empire. And I was talking to a really close friend of mine about this. You know, we're both fascinated by the character and we think it's fantastic and awesome. But we, I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder who 
thought of the character Narcisse and who's writing for it. Now, I do know that Jeffrey Wright, the actor that plays Narcisse, was pretty specifically courted to play this character, but I don't know how involved he is Mm -hmm. in the dialogue and in the writing, and it doesn't seem like he is that involved. And HBO is basically saying we don't really have, here's the HBO spokesperson, there are no writers of Caribbean heritage on the show, but they do do an extensive amount of research. Yes, we, uh, you were correct in noticing the name of the organization and Marcus Garvey's name come up in future episodes. This is not a coincidence. Um, you know, so again, we know that Narcisse is actually based off of a character, a real life mm-hmm. person, Casper Holstein, who was indeed this kind of sketchy character. But that is not the character of Marcus Garvey. Okay. Well, what I'm hoping happens, I can totally see where this can get muddled because. Yes. Dr. Narcisse is named Dr. Narcisse. We yes. know that he's been inspired by different people and figuring out who that is. It's, it's research. It takes time. Absolutely. It takes looking up the characters. So I can see why that could be upsetting, especially yeah. to an organization that, you know, mm. is fighting for what they believe absolutely. is right. And, and to preserve a, a real person's legacy mm-hmm. and somebody who absolutely, you know, has had influence on American culture and particularly black culture. So I see the concern for mm-hmm. sure. Hopefully we see Boardwalk making that distinction yes. a little clearer as the episodes move forward. Yeah. I'm hoping, as I said, they do mention his actual works yes. in the future. Also, that you know, people, I like that they use these inspirations because then hopefully people do go and look do the up research. history and right. do find out the truth and do find out yeah. what they can't get from that our TV yes. show that represents a whole year, you know? Yes. Um, so there, I can see both sides so. of this story, right? Yeah, let's hope so. Is, so that's cool. So that's it for our news and gossip this week. Wonderful. Oh. And now, you're after Buzz going into predictions? Going into predictions. Oh my goodness. This is always the hardest part for me. I know. The most I got out of that is I saw a lot of extras and some fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this election. I think, I think all of that was based around this notion of this election and Capone and Van Alden and those roles. And that's going to definitely be its own little issue for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to see fighting there. We need to get some more Florida. We need to get some more Florida. We need to get some more Sally. Yes. I'm very interested to see. We saw a dialogue exchange between Dunn and Jillian. That got me really interested. And he just seemed to be on this big, powerful chair. Like, yeah. it, I don't know what was happening. I don't know if he's getting shoe shine or something. Yeah. And, and she said she needed something from him. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's heroin. Um, but it could be more detailed than that, more involved than that. Um, and then we see a custody, custody issue. Battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Which Tommy. I'm hoping yeah. will bring um, the Haros, yes. both Haros. I'm bringing, hoping both Haros yeah. come back into this picture. Yeah. I don't want Emma off in La no La man's land, land yeah, anymore. Yeah, giving birth to this baby by herself. Exactly. No. She needs to come into this picture. I want yeah. them to create a family sure. within the Nucky Thompson range. She needs to be back in... In I, I mean, I don't really want him to be a gangster because I love Richard. Yeah. But... Well, I like a little gangster in Richard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like the sharpshooter, Richard. That's my favorite. Oh, goodness. Do we have any big doubts coming up? Any deaths? <sighs> oh, besides, I mean... With AR, yeah. Mm. AR side, do you think we're going to see any big deaths coming up this season? We're already on episode four. Maybe Eddie. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, something's got to give, Sarah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he can't... <laughs> he cannot be the downfall of, the, of Nucky Thompson. And honestly, at this point, I don't know how he recovers. That's true. So that that wouldn't totally shock me. 
if oh, we lost good. our dear sweetheart, Eddie. Well, before we lose everybody, before <laughs> we get cut off, because I hear music coming in the background, and make sure to rate us yes. online, five stars, and everyone else will be back next week. I know we had a little bit of a short episode today, yeah. but join us next week, it's guys. It's going to be a big payoff, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Ebony underscore K. Oh, yeah, Sarah doesn't have a Twitter. I, is yeah, that what you're Sarah waiting does, for? Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. I was like, that, that's <laughs> yeah. why like, it doesn't even and come to my mind. you could not find Sarah like, on Twitter. Right? I'm like, what's going on? I'm done. <laughs> From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 